0: Smarties, today we welcome Laura to the podcast. Laura is a parent of one of Steph's clients at My Ed Therapist, and today she is joining us to discuss her parenting journey. She talks about how hard it was to get her daughter the help she knew her daughter needed and what ultimately brought her family into educational therapy and working with Steph. She shares how ed therapy has not only impacted her daughter's academic experience, but also how it has improved. Improved family and home life and impacted her marriage for the better. Laura shares what she wishes all parents and clinicians knew. And what I really loved about this conversation was how we all talked about how challenging conversations are validating conversations. And if you are interested in working with Steph's practice, My Ed Therapist, in Redondo Beach, California, or virtually, you can sign up for a phone call at www.myedtherapist.com. And if you're interested in working with my practice, CAP Educational Therapy Group, where we focus on learners with ADHD and executive functioning challenges, you can sign up for a phone call at www.capedtherapy.kapp therapy.com. We love coaching other clinicians. And one of the reasons we wanted to do this episode was to give permission to all the clinicians, learning specialists, educational therapists, listening to have the difficult conversations with your clients. Coachability was a huge factor in the success that Laura and her family have had in working with Steph. And so when the client is coachable, you can have a tremendous impact. And don't be scared of those difficult conversations. If you want to talk to us more about how to have difficult conversations that are effective empathetic, and compassionate, feel free to reach out to us. Steph and I both have one or two slots for coaching clients currently available, and you can reach out to us for coaching on our aforementioned websites. Links are also in the show notes. Now, let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast.
1: Hi, Smarties! Welcome to episode 198 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts, and I'm Rachel Cap. I'm really excited to have a client of mine in my practice, my Ed therapist, Laura, here today, a parent of one of my clients, and uh, welcome, Laura.
2: Thank you. Thank you both for having me. This is a real treat. It is a real treat. really nice to be brought into the inner circle. I listen to the podcast <laughs> religiously, and I have learned so much. So sitting here with you is a real honor.
0: Have you learned smarter, Laura? I have learned smarter. <laughs> Amazing.
2: I have learned all the things that I didn't know, which was a lot. And I still know a lot. And you guys have really helped guide me through some of the confusing parts of parenting and trying to navigate raising a complex child.
0: Well, this is the perfect segue in. So why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about you?
2: First and most importantly, I'm a mom to a vibrant, radiant 11-year-old fifth grader, Gigi. And I'm also a wife to an amazing man of 15 years. I call him my bronze god.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a
2: marketer. I work in publishing. I work for a publishing company in Los Angeles, California, WPS, and we publish psychological assessments. clinicians can use to assess kids and adults. And it's actually a beautiful intersection of where I work and what I've gone through on this journey with my daughter and how I get to work with these amazing clinicians and providers and educational therapists like yourselves to then help me along my path and help my daughter thrive. So it's pretty cool.
0: So I'm always curious when Steph and I get to meet each other's clients, we always want to know what did you know about educational therapy? How did you find out about Steph and what the beginning of that relationship was Steph like for you?
2: Well, I'm blessed having found Stephanie. That was a major milestone moment in our parental journey and in the journey of my kid. We actually were hitting so many walls at home and having so much tension and so many outbursts and fights over homework and getting things done. And we wanted to be good parents, but we realized that a lot of what we could offer wasn't enough and we needed to outsource. And so we are a part of something called the Children's Tumor Foundation. And it is a nonprofit organization that helps raise money to find a cure for children with neurofibromatosis one and two. And my daughter has neurofibromatosis that causes brain tumors and items to grow on your nervous system throughout your body. So she has all sorts of learning delays because of her NF diagnosis from two months of age. So finding Stephanie and getting that parent within Children's Tumor Foundation to refer me to an educational therapist and how much that changed their child's journey all the way and launching them into college was just the prescription that I needed. And then I will say, Stephanie, I have to toot your horn. I mean, the first time that Gigi came home from her very first appointment with Stephanie, everything changed. Everything changed. We had told her that she was going to go work with a homework coach and we didn't want to make anything wrong with her. We just wanted to let her know that her dad and I weren't doing as good as we could have. And we wish we wanted more for her. We wanted it to be easier and more fun. And so we told her she was going to go play games and do her homework and Stephanie has delivered over and over and over every <laughs> session Gigi comes home and we ask her how was it what did you learn she's like we just played i don't know what we learned we just played <laughs> you know what that is how to get through to my daughter it is her love language quality time and playing and Man, it's just been such a godsend. So bless you, Stephanie,
1: truly. <laughs>
2: <Thank> <laughs> and I knew nothing about educational therapy before this. Didn't even know it existed.
1: The funny thing is that you live three blocks from my office and passed by my office all the time, but didn't know what it was.
2: No. Nope. And I remember when, you know, we started first discussing what your company did and who you were. And you and I clicked pretty quick. And the fact that you let me weasel onto your client list, because I know you were already completely <laughs> overloaded. It was just, I was so lucky.
0: You must have found a special spot in her heart
1: almost immediately.
2: The universe just synchronistically gave me her and that was, bam, <laughs> just laid it out. And it's it so ridiculous.
1: funny. It's true. I remember. <laughs> so First of all, Gigi is just, she lights up the room. Everybody, she just has this sense about her. And so I think that is one of the blessings and the curses almost for her because she knows how to work a room and knows how to get through things even when they're challenging. And so the fact that she came to me when she was in fourth grade And up until that point, she had been able to maneuver, I want to use the word, around some of the things that were hard. So I would love to hear about what happened, what was going on with her up until the point of fourth grade. I love that you
2: said that she was so smart. She was able to maneuver. I actually say it in a more crass way. I call her a little con artist because she (laughs) was super brilliant to be able to figure it out anyway and couldn't read. Oh, I'm going to figure this out. Oh, didn't understand that. Mm, I'm just going to kind of pretend like I do and make everybody think I got it and just keep progressing. So. I love her. And I will say that radiant, light, brilliance that she has. I mean, she's got something that's really special. And, and I always say to my husband that her success in life is assured. She will be fine.
1: Oh, for sure. Her sense of style, you guys, is beyond <laughs> anything that I have seen from a kid her age. She'll come out with all kinds of Fashion happenings. It's cool. She's way cooler than I am.
2: <laughs> so much more self-assured and self-expressed. You know? I think like that's been beaten out of me on some level. <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been acculturated, but I love her because she's just vibrant and doesn't care. It's really cool to see. But I do want to say that too. I want to say that again to parents that are out there the resilience and the goodness that our kids have, the light that is them, that drives them. If you can tell yourself through all these hard, hard times that their success is assured to me, that's everything like, and success assured being their success their way it doesn't mean it's going to be success our way and what society tells them success looks like but just success that they find what they're looking for and they're learning and growing and navigating their life and like
1: mm-hmm. i don't know that's
2: something that's really gotten me through a lot of hard times just knowing you know what this is rough right now and i feel like i don't have what it takes and the systems aren't in place to support her with where we're at right now but like she's going to come out okay i not always think she will
1: Totally. Yeah, she will. She yeah. will. So what did the teacher say or what did she struggle with prior to fourth grade? Let's start there.
2: Yeah, so she was diagnosed with, going way back. She was diagnosed with neurofibromatosis at two months of age. And so we detected brain tumors and followed those all the way through her preschool age. And then she gets into kindergarten and I had requested an IEP and all the assessment analysis before she went into kindergarten. They said that she performed just low enough but low average. So it wasn't, it didn't merit an IEP or a 504 at the time. And so we got into kindergarten and I kind of still had to keep advocating and it wasn't really coming to fruition. So then I recommended we do kindergarten again and none of the teachers recommended that, but I felt like it was a necessary step. And so we did it again and I finally got the 504 accommodations. And then I had to go hire an advocate to help me get an IEP under OHI, other health impairment. And that is when things started to shift for us because then we got special education. Then we got an aide in the class. Then we started getting more support. And really the whole thing was that I felt like my kid was being left behind because she was just smart enough, but not really succeeding. And the gap between where she should be performing and where she was, was really big. And nobody cared because it wasn't low enough it wasn't on the lowest of the standard deviations right like it didn't fit the charts for the clinicians to be concerned and that's fine i totally get that you have the gamut and there's uh, of kids that you have to address and serve but i felt like my kid was getting lost and so even though i had had the advocate i had had the you know special education you know being pulled out now that i had the aid i had all these supports with the school districts that i worked really hard to get and once i got in So that world of them giving me an IEP, man, they really supported us. And they've been great all at a team at the school is incredible. But breaking into that was really hard. And if you see that you deserve it and that your kid could use that extra help for me, doing what you need to do is great. But then I felt like there was just this whole other level of like, there's still tension at home. There's still something that we could do to help her. And that's when educational therapy kicked in. And then once I got into educational therapy, it confirmed a lot more things that weren't really being addressed at the school. I don't mean to say that that was on their bad, but Stephanie really kind of pulled me aside and without diagnosing, because she's not outside the bounds of parole, but she said, I think you need to go get tested for auditory processing disorder. And I think you need to go get tested for dyslexia. And so even though I had been asking the schools to do these things, I just had to go to a neuropsychologist and had to go outside and and an auditory processing specialist. And I did that and immediately got services and diagnoses and a whole nother level of understanding where my kid was that we could then plan proper interventions instead of missing the intervention completely because we weren't looking at what the diagnosis was. So
0: first of all, it sounds like you all along have been an excellent advocate for your daughter and you have fought to get her what she needed in her school. But I'm curious, when Steph approached you, that can be hard for some clinicians, not necessarily us because we're experienced and we've had these difficult conversations before, but what sort of emotional journey did you go through in terms of that conversation of Steph saying, I think there's more here that we need to explore, or was it like a sigh of relief for you too. Somebody you knew what your next step was.
2: It was such an affirmation. I didn't know what the next steps were, but it was such an affirmation. I knew something was being missed. I knew something was amiss. I had been asking for three years. I think she ha- have we done dyslexia tests? Like, can you do an assessment on dyslexia? You know, and they were doing all the this battery of assessments, but they never were giving me any sort of diagnosis related to that. And so it really changed the trajectory for us and made it more clear going forward.
1: And this podcast, because I remember it was right around the time that we had Sally Shaywitz on, and I said to you, go listen to that episode. Brilliant. She is talking about Gigi. Yes. I remember you saying to me, I listened, and oh my gosh, you went into action immediately after you listened. I remember you saying to me, you made the appointment. You got the testing. We had the diagnosis shortly after. And it was the first time I feel like, you know, Gigi was very resistant to reading. She didn't want anything to do with it. She would avoid, avoid, avoid. And she's a master at that, let me just tell you. <laughs> and once we really started talking about what it was that was going on and why it was hard, it flipped the script for her as well because she became really determined. Mm. She became determined as she started to see when we were working on sounds and that she just hadn't mastered them yet and how to put them together, that she really wanted to get through learning all the sounds. Like she was like, let's do it. Let's do it. And I would say, do you want to take a break? And she'd be like, nope. And I remember this, but I wanted you to tell it. Let's talk about Harry Potter. Yes. Let's talk about how she went from being the kid that would avoid written word like the plague to what happened with Harry Potter.
2: Yeah. Harry Potter was our masterpiece, our family's triumph. It was our daughter's major reading triumph. You know, this summer she just, she started to pick it up and we would sit around the couch and we would popcorn together and then she'd rush off to school and take it to school and she'd sit and read, you know, in the corner when other kids were playing, which is so not my daughter at all. She's like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's just so super social. And we, you know, have made it through the entire series in like practically one summer. I mean, that was such a triumph to see her fall in love with reading and the stories and the opportunities that are there. I mean, talk about a triumph, Stephanie, seriously. And you were able to teach her and fill. I love what you said when you explained educational therapy to to me. At one point, you said, there's potholes in the road of her learning. And the curriculum is going on much further down the road. They've already passed those potholes a long time ago. But we're going to go back and we're going to fill those potholes. And it's going to help her. And it's going to build. And it's going to build. And it's going to build. And you were able to do that in a way that I just don't have the know-how. I don't have the expertise as a parent. I am not an educator. And... I have so much love for you all of what you do with our amazing children. And then not only that, you make it playful and fun and you become a role model and a comrade. And that to me is so worth it. You're not just a teacher, you're a role model. And you're doing it with knowing that she can be better and believing in her. And that's so powerful. Just another person in her life. She's going to talk about you. When she's older, she's going to look back because of the relationship and the fact that you believed in her and not just because you were a tutor or a therapist or an educator. You've been much more than that for her. And it's only been a year. It's
1: amazing. It's literally been a year this month, right? So, I mean, she's grown tremendously. I can't even believe how much she's grown. It's impressive. But you know what? I have to tip my hat to her, too, because she wanted to do it. I just needed to spark it. And she's got an intense fire in there that needs to be channeled for good. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> channeled for good, not evil. Evil would be bad. Exactly. <laughs> <She's> very powerful. <laughs> yes.
0: So, you know, you alluded to it earlier, Laura, you were talking about the tension in your home. I'm curious because we always say that an unintended but beautiful byproduct of good intervention from either one of our practices is that family and home life improves. But I'm curious what was happening and how are things now?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, what was happening was that we were doing the best that we knew as parents, which was you bring home your homework, you have this much homework okay, let's go through it and let's do every problem that is assigned and every you know assignment that's done and let's go over it and let's get it right. Well, that's not right. Let's try again. Let's edit it. Oh my God. That was literally like pulling out her teeth one by one by one. It was so painful. And we thought we were doing right by her. We didn't know.
0: That's how we were all parented. We yeah. didn't
2: know it was not right for her. Yeah. She will always be the kid with reduced assignments. She will always be the kid that has to learn in a little bit of a different way. It's not a learning disability. It's a different way of learning, you know, and that's just my daughter and that's okay. And I I love that about her now, but it doesn't mean that I necessarily, or even still know how to do that as an educator or a parent, but you all do. And so, so yeah, it was a lot of tension. A lot of active avoidance on her part. There were a lot of meltdowns, I remember. Emotional meltdowns, just taking it out on us. And she's such a lovely kid. None of her teachers, we were kind of probing at Her teacher's like, you seen this? And they're like, no, she's incredible. We're not... So she's mm-hmm. just conning them all, like that she's smart and she's on top of it.
0: Holding it together for them.
2: And then as she should when she's safe bringing it home to her parents and letting it all out i mean you know being a complex kid with adhd and you know gross motor coordination stuff and dyslexia and it's a lot she has to hold a lot together and by the time she got home man she had to let it out and having the safe space to do so is totally the right thing for her and we give that to her now we give her that that transition space now but what we were doing is we were then making her get right into homework. And so she'd come home from school and she'd have to do all this homework and it was just really painful. So one of the things that Stephanie did right away was collaborate with me and the teachers on what homework needed to be done. And Stephanie's like, no, that is not, we are not doing that. We are not doing this. She did a little bit of this with me today. That is it for her. And I just, I love that it gave me permission to know how to support my daughter better. But so Steph, you seriously gave me permission to be a better parent because I could let go of some of the expectations that I had that weren't working. You know, I thought I was trying to do right by her and I wasn't. Oh Yeah, that was big. And so, you know, I think now the tone of the home has totally transformed. It transformed after that first session with you. It was amazing how homework changed. And we just put things in place where we could let her do her homework outside of school, away from us, And then, you know, if she needed help or wanted to show us things or then we'd read together at night, then great. But it wasn't taking away almost her emotional freedom in some ways by guiding her and forcing her to do something that she felt like she wanted to do on her own,
1: you know? And I remember one of the important things was I gave you guys permission to let her make mistakes. Yes. Yes. Make mistakes on homework. And we talked about it and... Let her do it and not check it. I mean, check for completion when we were feeling like she wasn't ready to do completion on her own. But then she sort of has graduated to she's rocking it herself. There's a lot of times where we sometimes we do homework concession and sometimes we don't because she'll tell me I've got it. Mm. And I have to let her know and navigate when she's got it and when she doesn't. She might tell me she's got it, and then she realizes, uh-oh, and that actually happened yesterday. She was like, this is easy, and then she realized, wait a minute, this wasn't as easy as I thought. And But that's a sa- it's a safe space for her to do that with me. I think that it's one of those things when she says, I've got it, I'll say, okay, are you going to go home and do it? And you know, your parents aren't going to be involved, and you're going to make sure that you get what you need to get done? And she's like, yeah. It was like this permission to figure out how she wanted to handle her responsibilities.
2: Absolutely. And I think that's what's so beautifully said. And I think just developmentally having her have this experience with homework and with you, and it's her exerting her independence and developmentally growing into her more individuated self on all those levels. And for us as a parent, we could let her off the leash. Because we knew that she had that support in you, you know, in the teacher and in you. And that was okay. And now we're even like playing with, okay, you can walk home by yourself
1: from Stephanie. I know that just started. Oh, that's great. She
2: wants it so bad. And I want to give it to her. That's where the joy comes in life is realizing that you can and having that capability to do it on your own.
1: She walked home yesterday for the first time without a phone. And she said to me as she was leaving. Stephanie, please tell my parents I'm leaving right now. And I Aww. said, you got it.
2: <laughs> so good. That was very cute.
1: She only has to cross
0: one little street. So we've talked a little bit about how ed therapy has impacted your relationship with Gigi. I'm curious, as co-parents with your husband, how has that shifted over time as a result of you know her growing independence and her maturing into herself a little bit?
2: I mean, I got to tell you, my husband is incredible. He was really the one doing most of the heavy lifting with her. He has an infinite amount of patience and he is such a stable grounding force. And so he could balance her emotional outbursts easier than I could. And he's just, he's really good with her, the energy he has with her. So he still maintains that awesome relationship, but now he doesn't have to go through the extreme highs and lows of it. He can just sort of enjoy the relationship more. And then as far as my husband and I, it took just a major stress off of both of our shoulders. We felt that we could honor and celebrate in her strengths instead of fighting over what I saw as her deficits and areas needed for intervention Whereas he wanted to only hold the high vision of her as just being a kid and being normal and it's all okay. And we can do this type of thing. And she's amazing, which I love, but we had different ways of trying to solve the problem and it was creating so much tension. It was almost unbearable at times. So yes, this completely transformed what was coming to a head at different times during the marriage, which is great. This is amazing.
0: Mm. We don't guarantee that it's going to happen, but it <laughs> often does. Also of coachability within parents. So I feel like that's the real determining factor if family and home life improves is the coachability of the family and the willingness to shift and iterate and think about things in a different way. Steph, what did you want to add?
1: I have to applaud you because you listened and it's very hard when you're talking about your child and what feels like you could internalize as a failure as a parent that has nothing to do with you. And when you listened from that very first session, I remember when you guys, when I said, stop looking at homework, please. And you guys looked at me like, what? Yeah. It was like nobody had ever said to you, you don't need to do that. And then you guys were like, okay, we're off it. Yeah. And so I have to applaud you for being willing to be vulnerable to what I was suggesting, not knowing the outcome. Well, that was like saying to me, go have a glass
2: of wine and take a bubble bath. I mean, (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) It was, it was advice we needed because we were so spent, we were so spent and, so lost. We just kept hitting wall after wall and we couldn't make an impact in a way that we desperately wanted to. And so it felt really good for us to kind of let go. You know, we still get the advice from the educators at her school that we are supposed to be involved and we are supposed to be looking at it and we are supposed to be checking it. And there are times when my husband still will. Yeah. Sometimes it's appropriate. Yeah. We talk about books and we talk about Mm -hmm. all of the content before she has to write a report. So we're still having those conversations for sure, but it's not like, check this box and let's do this and let's do that. It's just, it's so much easier on all of us. So yeah, that was a gift.
1: Understanding what every child needs as far as that's concerned is important because I wouldn't necessarily say that to every single parent, right. but that is what Gigi needed. And she needed her relationship with you guys and her confidence and her ability to learn how to self-advocate, right? Now we know that she goes daily to her teacher and asks, what do I have to do? Because she has reduced homework load. And we put that on her and she's
2: all about it. (laughs) She actually picked up the baton and ran with that because for a while there, the teacher was emailing me with the reduced assignments, but she was emailing me like at four or five o'clock at night. God bless her, working way too much. And Grace had already done the assignment. So then she'd get so upset and missed that she already did all that work and she didn't have to. So she started self-advocating and going to the teacher. Okay, what do I have to do? Out of all that, you said, what's on me?
1: (laughs) Easier for everybody all around. (laughs) Easier for everybody. I'm telling you, this kid, I'm telling you. Oh my gosh. Okay, so here's a question. And I ask this because I know that what you're going to say is just going to be so helpful for parents. So what would you recommend to other parents who are at the beginning of this journey? Don't
2: try to do it all alone and get help. Mm. I thought that I needed to get all of my help through the school system because paying for outside support was Just going to snowball into a massive expense. And she already had school all day. And she already had so many other activities and extracurriculars. I didn't want to add more to it. For some parents, this may not be an issue for them. But just get help. Just get support. Outsource. If you feel like you're underwater, you are. Outsource. Because there's amazing educators out there that are willing to help you. There's amazing educators in the school system, but there's incredible educators outside the school system as well that are available to you. And that was really mind-blowing for me to get that help. Even for us, we even think about private school because that's also something else. You know, She learns differently. We have a differentiated learner on our hands. So how is that going to play out through the rest of her academic career? So being open to that, I think we didn't want that because we're like, oh, we don't want that expense. And we want our kid to be normal. That's really big too. Like wanting your kid to be normal and wanting your kid to fit in and not wanting to call out when they're struggling or when things are a little off. And I know for me, it's hard to admit there's grief there. There's grief in seeing that something's a little off and that your kid is struggling and you don't know how to help and that's kind of a recipe for disaster as a parent because you so desperately want to be able to give them all the resources they need and deserve to succeed, you know. So that's big for me and then also changing the expectations is really big for me. Has been a really big thing for me, you know, just like how you just how Stephanie said, you know, stop with the homework, shifting expectations of what kind of a learner my daughter should be versus the kind of learner that she is. And as we all know, she's extremely vibrant and lives outside the box and is just a huge personality and does it her way. She's super determined. And I have to kind of follow her charge on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. She's going to learn to read. And now she is super happy to pick up that book and wanted to take several with her on your trip. She just wanted to get through all the Harry Potters. It's just a shift of she would get there. It's just how and when. I couldn't see it though. That was the brilliance is that you saw that when I couldn't, cause I was so stuck. I was so
2: mired in the mud of it. You know, I couldn't see it. And now she takes like four huge books to school every day for recreational reading. I have to talk her out <laughs> of packing books in her backpack. I mean, that is, you know, for her own well-being. <laughs> That's how far we've come. So we still have a long way to go, but I feel like we can do it, yeah. you know, and we're going to be okay. And we have support. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. One step at a time. That's all we can do. Igniting the love. It's there. We just got to ignite it. And filling those potholes so she can drive smoothly.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes, That's it.
1: Well, thank you. Thank
0: you. For coming on and sharing and being vulnerable with our audience. Parents need to hear it. Clinicians need to hear it. And it's super validating. I won't speak. I will speak for Steph. It's super (laughs) validating for her Mm -hmm. to hear all of this. And I can't wait for Gigi to hear the episode and know that we were all talking about her. Oh, she's going (laughs) to love it. Shout out
2: to you, Gigi. We love you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Will you go ahead and say our signature sign off?
2: Have a great week, Smarties. (laughs)
0: Yay, have a great week. Have a great week.